the, the privilege of getting to meet and spend some time with Dennis Jernigan. You may say, who in the world is Dennis Jernigan? He's the guy that wrote that song we just sang. And he has written a lot. <laughs> the guy wakes up every morning and writes a new song. Every morning he sits down at a piano and God gives him a song. Every single morning. He's a really neat guy. I got to spend a lot of time with him, and uh, it's just neat to see people that God gives those kinds of talents to. I always think of him when one of his songs are, are done. He's a, a really nice guy. Uh, let me start by asking everyone a question today. I was going to ask it last week, but we were kind of constrained with time being Youth Sunday, so I'm going to ask it today. It applies today as well. But don't answer out loud immediately. I want you to take some time to think about this question. If you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? I'll give you a minute to think about that. If you could be a superhero, who would you be and why? Let's let moms answer first today. Any moms want to answer? If you could be a superhero, who would you be? Ladies? Batman. Batman, okay. Why? All right, a regular guy. He's got a good heart and lots of gadgets. <laughs> Somebody else. Wonder Woman. Why? She's strong. She's strong. Okay. Any other ladies? Girls? Mighty Mouse. I remember Mighty Mouse. I remember my Mighty Mouse is on the way. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mighty Mouse is my mom's favorite cartoon growing up, too. Any others? Guys, y'all have a superhero? If you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Come on now. I know there's got a... Captain Marvel. That's a great answer. Captain Marvel's kind of like the female equivalent of Superman, right? Yeah. Can just fly and do anything strong. Yeah. Superman. Superman. The hair. The hair. <laughs> Some people have told me I kind of have Christopher Reeves' hair there, you know, the old Superman from the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Flash. Why? You just want to be fast, huh? Be lightning fast. There's Mr. Incredible. Okay. Okay, good answer. That's a good Sunday school answer. Yeah, fantastic answer. All right. You know, there's lots of different superheroes. The Bible's full of them, isn't it? I mean, really, full of them. We, we, you know, David's one of them we're talking about. Last week, as we looked at Goliath and the battle there, we saw one of the reasons why, I mean, 
David, there's no reason at all why he should have won that battle. Give me, remind me of last week's story if you were here. What were some things about David that were reasons he should have had no business fighting a nine-foot, nine-inch-tall giant? He's young. He's maybe 14, 15 years old at the oldest. Not very big. Yeah. What about his skills with weapons? He didn't bring any. He brought, all he brought was a slingshot, you know, a sling and, you know, a stone. He couldn't even carry the armor or the spear or the shield that King Saul tried to offer him, could he? So we see what makes people really superheroes in the real world. It's God-given ability, isn't it? God's will working in people's lives makes superheroes. We were talking about missionaries earlier. Those are some of my superheroes in the world. They're doing things that they only, can only be done with God's help. And guess what? You may not realize it. There's things in your life that you can't do without God's help either. We get real detailed about it. Let's just be honest. We can't even breathe without God's help, can we? Every little thing in this world is important to us. And it's all here because God has placed it here as well. Do you, you believe you have a, a mother because of God? Yeah, you do. He's who give, gave you a mother. Now, let's look at today's story. And let's pray before we get into it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, we're going to look at a story in your word uh, that's about David and about how he met someone who helped him and his army and was very kind. And Lord, we pray that we'll learn from this story today ways that we can serve you and honor you, especially our mothers and women in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me do a little bit of backstory because I'm skipping some things in the story. We're jumping from 1 Samuel 17 to chapter 25 today. But next week we're going to backtrack and cover some of those things. So let me tell you a little bit about what's happened before I actually tell the story. What's happened between chapter 17 and chapter 25 is David has continued to grow in popularity with the people of Israel, with the army. We know we, our story ended last week with Saul making David the commander of his army. Abner was the commander of the army. Now David's become the commander of the army, and David has great success as the commander of Saul's army. They defeat so many different enemies that they come up against to the point when David's armies show back up, Guess what the people are singing? Saul has slayed his thousands, but David has slayed his tens of thousands. And guess who starts getting jealous? Mr. Saul, King Saul, starts getting really jealous. And boy, from there starts years of events of Saul being mad at David, Saul chasing David, David hiding. And as David's doing this, he starts building his own army out of a bunch of bandits and misfits. Basically, people that are enemy of the state become his army. And he's built a great army now. And that brings us 
to where we're at in the story. David's not yet king. King Saul is still the king. He's still chasing after David. So David and his army are continuously on the move, trying to find places to hide, trying to find food, trying to find shelter, all these different things. And now they've come to this place. This is our story today. Him, David and his men, they came to this area where a rich herdsman lived. Everybody say Nabal. The man's name was Nabal. He was a descendant of Caleb. Do you remember Caleb, Caleb uh, all the way back in Exodus? You know, Moses, and you had Joshua and Caleb. You had these spies, these 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to see what it was like. And remember, 10 came back with a bad report, but Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. Nabal is a descendant of Caleb, and he was a wealthy man. He was known to be a very mean and harsh man. But he had a beautiful wife who was very practical in how she dealt with people, much kinder. And her name, everyone say Abigail. Abigail. So Nabal had a wife named Abigail. He's mean, she's very beautiful and kind. David's army was in the area, and that was a great advantage to Nabal uh, because if any foreign raiders came in and tried to take his wealth, the things that he had to be wealthy, let's talk about what being wealthy in this day and time is like. You have lots of animals. You have lots of land. You have lots of servants, right? And so... David and his army being in this area protected Nabal and everything that he possessed from being stolen or raided or taken away from him. So kind of David and his army has been doing Nabal a favor, right? Still, Nabal did not invite David and his men to the annual sheep shearing feast. That was things, the Israelites, they had an annual sheep shearing feast. Didn't invite David and his men to this. And David, so after this and them not getting invited, he sent ten of his men with a message to Nabal. And this message was this. Peace to you and to your people. I respect you as I would respect my own father, Nabal. Your shepherds will tell you that we have protected your flocks over the entire time that we have lived in this area. And instead of coming to your feast, please send us some food and provisions with these young men so that we can continue to survive and be in this area. Well, Nabal received this message from his servants. And he said to them, I don't know David. Who is he? I'm definitely not his father. Slaves are always trying to run away from their masters. That's probably what his servants are doing. And just wanting some free food. Tell him to go back where he came from. I'm not going to take any food from my servants to give it to strangers that I don't even know. The young men went back and they told David this message that Nabal had given. That he was not going to help them. What do you think that made David think? How do you think David reacted? This was David's reaction. He said this to his men. Put on your swords. 
I protected this man's goods, and he repays me with insults. Not one man in his camp will be alive in the morning. David's ready to get after him, right? He's not even, he's no sign of peace, no sign of help. David's angry. He's ready to take some revenge. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went and told Abigail what had been said and what was done. He told this to Abigail. He said, David's men have been a wall to us while we're out in the field. So they've been protecting us. Night and day they've protected us. We didn't lose one animal during the time David and his men have been here. Yet, your husband insulted them and refused to help them. You must think of something now, Abigail, because your husband has offended an army that can kill every single one of us. Without telling her husband, Abigail gathered the provisions for David's men. Just a few little things Miss Abigail got ready for David and his men. 200 loaves of bread. Everybody say 200. 200 loaves of bread. Two wineskins. Now let me, a wineskin back in that day, we're talking like a 55-gallon drum, right? Two wineskins full of wine. Five butchered sheep. A bushel of roasted grain. 100 clusters of raisins. And 200 cakes of figs, fig cakes. She put all of these things on some donkeys and she headed down the road to find David and his men. Boy, that's a lot of work, wasn't it? Did y'all just hear all that stuff Abigail got together? As she rounded a corner, she saw David's men coming toward her and she got off of her donkey and she ran to him and she knelt down with her face to the ground, and she began to beg David. It's my fault that your men were mistreated. I would have treated them well if I had known that they were coming. Please forgive my husband. He's a mean fool, and that's how he acts. Please accept these gifts of food. It's the Lord who has kept you from getting revenge today, David. He's always fought the battles for you, and he always will. When he makes you king, you'll want a clear conscience about this day. That's the message Abigail gives. And then David says, It was God who sent you here today, Abigail. Your wisdom has kept me from shedding blood and taking revenge on a man who offended me. If you hadn't come... Every man in your camp would have died. And then David accepted the gifts that Abigail brought to him. She went back home and she found Nabal feasting like a king. She didn't tell him what she had done or what had happened. And that night Nabal got drunk and he fell asleep. In the morning, she waited until he was sober and then told him what she did the day before. And immediately the Bible says Nabal had a heart attack and lay in a coma for 10 days after Abigail told him what she had done. 
And then the Bible says, the Lord killed Nabal after those 10 days in a coma. David heard about Nabal's death, and this is what David said about his death. Praise the Lord! God kept me from doing evil and punished Nabal for the evil that he did. And then David sent a message to Abigail asking her if she would become his wife. She agreed and went to him. Meanwhile, Saul gave his daughter, who David was married to, remember the end of our story, part of Saul's deal, if you defeat Goliath, I'll make you wealthy and give you one of my daughters. Well, when Saul finds out David's gotten another wife, he gives the daughter he had given David to be a wife to another man. So David's no longer married to Mashal, who, who was Saul's daughter. So let's run through our story again today. So we have David and his men living in this area where Nabal, who's a wealthy man, he's a descendant of Caleb, owns all this land, and he's very wealthy. And David and his men are in this area. David and his men are protecting Nabal's property and his things from those that might would raid and steal. And... What we know about Nabal is he's a mean, rude man. But he has a wife. What's his wife's name? Abigail. And she's very kind. She's also very beautiful. Well, Nabal is having this big feast, a sheep-shearing feast. Wouldn't you love to go to a sheep-shearing feast? That sounds fun, doesn't it? A sheep-shearing feast. But he doesn't invite David and his men. And David sends some of his men to Nabal and says, you know, I would treat you as my own father. And our men have done a lot to protect your property and your things. Could we possibly just get some provisions uh, to, to eat and take care of my men while we're here? Nabal's response is not good. He's very rude. He tells his men to go back to David. Uh, David's men to go back and tell him, I don't know who you are. I am definitely not your father. And I just think your slaves are just trying to get some free stuff off of me, basically is what he thinks. And the men come back to David and give him a report of how Nabal responded. And David immediately says, get your swords ready before daybreak the next day. There ain't going to be a man of his left alive. We're fixing to slaughter the whole bunch of them for being mean and rude to us. One of the servants of Nabal goes and tells his wife Abigail what has all happened. And Abigail's, oh my goodness, what a mess this is, right? So Abigail then begins to gather up things we've got to go Stop this from happening. She gathers bread and wine and sheep and makes cakes and raisins and all these different things and puts all the stuff that she's made on donkeys and takes it to David and his men. And they get there and she gets on her knees and she bows before David and apologizes. I'm sorry for the insults that my stupid fool of a husband gave you, right? And 
Please don't do anything to hurt him or his men. If I had known that you were here, I would have taken you stuff and, and, and taken care of you. God has been with you before, and he's, he's going to keep you from doing harm to my husband and his men. And he's been with you to win so many battles. God has been, and he'll be with you again in the future. And one day, David, you'll be king. God will make you king. And David says, I will spare them because you've come with this kindness and brought these gifts to me. And so, David, they don't do anything. They're pleased that Abigail's brought these things to him. And then uh, Abigail returns back to Nabal and finds him drunk. She waits till the next day. He's been feasting, partying all night. Waits till the next day till he sobers up, you know, and she tells him what she's done. And he has a heart attack. And he's in a coma for 10 days. And then following the, those 10 days, the Bible says that God, the Lord God, killed Nabal. After he died, David and his men heard about Nabal dying. And David came and found Abigail and asked Abigail to be his wife. And she accepted. And that's how our story ends. Saul gives David's old wife to another man. That's how our story ends today. I want you to find a neighbor and try to tell that story with somebody. If you're by yourself, find somebody close by or get with a little group and just retell the story, the highlights you can think of, this story of Abigail. This is when we find out how much we really listened, right? So tell your neighbor the story about Abigail. All right, good job, everybody. <clears throat> now you've got another Bible story you, you can tell to somebody this week, right? Let's, let's popcorn tell it together. So David and his army are living in this area that's owned by who? Nabal. And what kind of guy is Nabal? He's mean, but he's also got, he's got a lot of wealth too, doesn't he? That's unfortunately not all that uncommon in the world, is it? Mean, wealthy people. So what happens next? That's right. David and his men weren't invited to the sheep shearing feast. So what does David do? He sent ten men to ask for provisions. And what's Nabal's response? No, I ain't your daddy. I ain't taking care of you. I don't like you. I don't like nobody. I ain't helping nobody but me, right? It's kind of the attitude Nabal has. How does David respond to that message? They, got the, they, they, got, they sharpened their swords. They were ready to do knife work all night and take care of all their men, right? And who finds out about what's about to transpire? And how does she deal with it? She gets things done. Uh, Y'all, anybody else know women that get things done? Okay. Abigail gets things done. Lots of food prepared. Makes a big feast for David and his men. Brings it to them. And how does she, how does she come to David when she arrives to bring, to deliver all this? Yeah, yeah, she... She, she apologizes for her stupid fool of a husband. 
right? And ask for forgiveness and, and then praises David and all the things God's helped him do, right? And, and lets him know God's going to make you king one day. And David responds, how? Graciously. He accepts her gifts and decides not to slaughter Nabal and all of his men. And then what does Abigail find when she returns back to Nabal? He's drunk. Being the fool that he is, isn't he? So she does what? She waits till the next day and lets him sober up. What's, what happens when she tells him what she's done? Has a heart attack, goes into a coma for 10 days. That's right, and then God killed him. And then after God killed him, David hears about it, brings his men, and what happens? Love is in the air. Everywhere you look around. You know, it's, it's, it's happening, right? David's found a new wife. Saul hears about it, and he's lost an old wife, right? I think David ends up with nine wives after it's all said and done, you know, at the end. So uh, not a great history with women David has. But we learned some things from this story today. Here's some things that we learned. You've got some notes. If you want to write these down, you might want to do that. One thing we learn about God in this story is that God uses mothers and women to carry out His will and plans. Let me make that very clear. We live in a world today that wants to look at this book right here and call it sexist. Right? This book is full of fantastic stories about women and how God uses them. That has not changed. And it's the same today. Ladies, God can use you to do His will and carry out His plans. He is using you. Amen? Amen. God uses women. This story is an example of how God uses women. Another thing we can learn from this story, this is not something we should do. We're going to talk about things we should do or that ladies can do and that kind of thing. This is something we shouldn't do. We shouldn't be like Nabal. Right? Who wants to be around somebody like that? I don't care how much money you got. Right? Just a jerk. Right? So be nice to people. Be kind. At least give them a chance to begin with before you make judgmental decisions about people. Nabal was mean and rude, and because of that, even his own wife called him a stupid fool. Right? Some things that we should do, though, on the positive side, some things that we can learn. Many moms and ladies have covered the faults of others in their lives. Look at what Abigail does. As bad as Nabal is, Abigail still covers up his sin and his ridiculousness, right? And, and does that for others. I don't know about how it works in y'all's house, but these ladies in my house tend to cover up my faults many times. You know, make me look a lot better than I really am. Amen? 
And we need help like that, uh, guys, don't we? <laughs> we need somebody to cover up our faults and to make us look better than we really are sometimes. And Abigail does that. So, ladies, we praise you today for the ability of being able to, to do things that, that do make us look better, that makes us, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying we have to be fake. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but, man, it really helps uh, for a family to work. Everybody's got a role. Amen? And I'm not saying that role is specific things. The kids are talking about mom's cooking. Some, you, some of you dads do cooking, too. It doesn't matter who's doing the clothes or the laundry or the dishes or, or who's fixing the cars or mowing the grass. But everybody needs to be involved in something, right? And helping out as a family. And one of the things that ladies have a special gift at, though, is to cover faults of others that are in their lives. Another thing, mothers and women are very instrumental in making peace in our world. If it weren't for a woman in this story, there would have been a lot of bloodshed, wouldn't there? You know? And, and because of Abigail... She was a peacemaker. She made peace. Peace is not something you just pray for. I know a lot of times we, you see these signs, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, peace is something that has to be made. Jesus said it in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. You have to do things to make peace. And that's what Abigail does. She does things. She, I'm, goodness, how much work was that on her part? And she, I'm sure she had some help to pull all that off, right? 200 loaves of bread? I mean, this had to happen in less than half a day, didn't it? Just to get the supplies to pull all this off. And then two big containers of wine and five butchered sheep. Anybody ever butchered any kind of animal to get it ready to eat? It's not easy work, is it? That takes time. And, and she pulled all this off, baking 200 cakes. How many of you have an oven big enough to do that? She didn't either. A lot of fires got built that night, right? Baking all those cakes. A lot of work went into the things that she did, and, and she was very instrumental in making peace. Even today, women are in instrumental. And making peace, not just when it comes to battle and wars, but in our homes, in jobs, in the workplace, in schools. It's important uh, for women to be there and have that role as well. And then the last point I'd like to make. Mothers and women have a natural gift of nurturing their families and their guests. Aren't you glad? You know, there's nothing like going into a home you've never been into before. And that doesn't mean us guys, we can't help with that. But there's just something about a lady that welcomes you into their home and makes you feel like it's your home too, right? Just something, us guys, we, God just didn't gift us with that gift very well. You know, we can do certain things, but there's just something about a lady welcoming you into their place that's different. And Abigail's an example of that. Ladies, you have that gift. I want to encourage you to use those gifts, to keep doing those things. These are godly things 
to nurture others, to make people feel welcome wherever you are. It happens in the church place. If it was up to the guys to make everybody feel welcome in church, we'd be in trouble. Amen? You know, we need the help. Everybody's got to play their role. Everybody's got special gifts that God has given. And today we praise those he's given to our mothers and our ladies. Remember our verse that's kind of the, the, the theme of all these different stories we're looking at. It's from Psalm 71, and it says, God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wonderful works. Even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today, and we praise you for the mothers and the women in our lives that nurture us, that help us make peace, that cover our faults. God, we're thankful that you've given them those talents and gifts uh, to be very special in our lives. And Lord, as we learn this Bible story, we pray that you'll help it uh, be applied in our lives even this week so that we can be closer to you and make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.